Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Be here, guys. Good to be with you. Julie and I are so excited to be back with you guys um, this morning. Um, First of all, I just want to give a couple of um. I missed you guys. Um, God has done a great, great work in Julie and I as we got away to rest a little bit. But first of all, I I, I want to give some thank yous out to the the staff who covered while we were gone on our sabbatical, for those that preached, for those that taught, for those that set up, all the teams. You guys got to see a variety of the pastors while I was gone. And my heart and desire for that was that, guys, I know I'm, I'm the pastor here, and we have multiple pastors. You got to meet them as they taught. But we have one pastor, and that's Jesus. And so we got to keep our eyes always fixed on him, on the chief shepherd. We're going to look at that this, this morning. But I also want to thank you as a family, the Church Vision family, that allowed us to get away uh, and travel to study, um, to seek the Lord, to pray. Um, we did all of that. Um, we've traveled. Uh, we got the opportunity to travel to Europe for seven weeks. And uh, we've got to do the footsteps of Paul, actually where Paul traveled on his missionary journeys in Athens, Greece. And so we, we went to Philippi, we went to Corinth, we went to Thessalonica and Ephesus and Turkey, and um, we went to Berea, and we got to stand on, on Mars Hill looking up at the Parthenon where Paul stood and preached about the unknown God. You know, we got to go to the island of Patmos in the cave where they believed that the apostle John had got the book of Revelation. And so I know we traveled and did all these things, studying and just being up near the ruins in Corinth, the Bema Seat of Christ, where Paul was judged, as mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bema Seat. We stood on that platform where Paul was judged for his faith. And and, um, it was surreal to see the work done there. I I know some of you saw the videos that you saw standing in Ephesus looking over the arena where 25,000 people cried out to an unknown God and Paul pointed them to Jesus. You know what I mean? So um, we did a lot of other things. I'll let my wife share a little bit here about some of that. So, Yes, thank you for allowing us to be gone. It was, um, there's so much to say and uh, not enough time. So I do want to say that I think the Lord really used it as kind of um, definitely a time of rest that we needed, Um, also a time to speak to us about some healthy habits we needed to incorporate in our lives for the long haul, Um, and also just this new season of life that we're in with our four kids being between 21 and 28 years old, it was a fresh start for us. So it was just a beautiful time together. A lot of people have been asking about the trip, so Just a couple days ago, I started posting um, a daily update on my Facebook page and on my Instagram. So if you want to follow me, you can get a day-by-day update on what we did. Um, But we worshipped in um, 
we observed a worship service at a Greek Orthodox in Crete, in Greece. We worshiped with other believers in Italy, in the Netherlands, in Scotland. We worshiped with other believers at our kids' churches that they are part of. And we worshiped with other believers here in San Diego and in Arizona. Um, And it was so sweet to do so, but there's really no place like home. And we're, we're so thankful for the body of Christ that God has given us here to be part of. So we love you guys. Amen. Thank you. Guys, as I'm back and we're going to be sharing some things that God put on my heart, I'm meeting with the staff and laying out some of the vision. And then we're going to have a fathoming meeting that I'm going to bring the whole vision to you guys. I'm sharing with the staff first, getting them ready. And then I'll bring it to the church. We're going to have a meal together. And I'm going to share just the vision of where God's taken us uh, in the next few years. And so you'll hear about that coming soon. And, and I'll let you know the date. It'll be soon um, as we're getting ready to, to do that. So I'm excited about what, God, what the next step is for the church and, and the work that he's doing and, and how he's moving. And you're all part of that. Uh, you're the fruit of that over the years. We actually, um, October, New Vision will be celebrating 14 years as a church from the time we started in our backyard. And so, and so we're excited about that. So I know you've been journeying through the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 10. We're gonna continue on through the series called Believe, which is we've been journeying through uh, the Gospel of John. I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, I, guys, Julie and I watched online. We were watching online. Uh, we watched a little ahead because we were 10 hours ahead of you guys or nine hours ahead, so we'd watch it later in the day. Um, but um, we got to hear all the pastors teach and the stories. I, I watched the last couple of weeks as people were coming up here giving testimony about how God had transformed their lives. And so um, I'm hoping that God will do that work even here this morning as we're looking at John chapter 10. So turn your Bibles, John chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 21 this morning. The sermon message is called The Ministry of the True Shepherd, part 1. It's actually a monologue that Jesus is going to give here. We're going to look at the first part and look at the second part next week. In May of 2017, a young teenage girl woke up one day blind. She didn't know what had happened, but as she had gone to uh, the doctors, they discovered that she had a disease called coronacus which had to do something with her retina dislocated, and she had lost her blinds. She lost her sight and she was blind. And so she had to learn to work through all that. And as she got older and graduated from high school, she went on to college as a blind young gal. She, she met a young man there at, at college and his name was Christian Cora and they became and developed a, a great friendship. And because they were such great friends, Christian raised $20,000 for her to have a special surgery to correct her sight, hoping that she would gain her sight back. But as they begin to journey as a friend, her not seeing and building this relationship, she began to have affections and feelings for Christian in this relationship. And she did raise, they did raise the money and she had these corrective surgery where she got her eyesight back. And she talked about that process and when she was first to, to open up her eyes and see she got to see Christian for the first time and he was more, she said, he was more handsome than I ever believed. And they ended up getting married. I think when you look at the gospel of John in the 10th chapter, it's about this good shepherd. And when you look at the story of John, it's really about this shepherd, Jesus being opened up and coming to his people that we, because we were born blind in sin, 
that our eyes would be opened by the miracles and the work of Jesus, that we would ultimately open our eyes and say, there's the groom, because we're the bride, and he looks beautiful. He, I can't even imagine who he really is until my eyes have been opened up. And I think that's really what John 10 is really about, right? You've been studying about a blind man in John chapter 9 who couldn't see. Jesus heals him, and now he can see. And I love the words of the blind man. The, the words of blind man, I don't know, you know, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. You know, and that's really the testimony of many of us in this room. I can't tell you about the process. It was a miracle-working process in my life. But one day, I couldn't see. One day, I was in the dark. But the next day, I could see, and I was in the light. And it's a beautiful thing. As we look at John chapter 10, the gospel focuses on the words and the work of Jesus with the purpose for those to hear and see and that they might believe on Jesus, the Son of God. That's his hope. That's why we read the last chapter of John. Near the last chapter talks about the work is that you would believe upon me. And so we come to chapter 10. Chapter 10 is a monologue. It's Jesus giving a sermon. It's Jesus sharing to the religious leaders who he is and his purpose as the true shepherd. I want to do something a little different this morning we normally don't do. And I'm going to have you stand up this morning. We're going to read the passage, but I'm going to read a section and you're going to read a section. And we're going to go through the 21 verses together as we join in worshiping with the reading of the cake. Can you please stand with me? And you're going to see it on the screen here this morning as I read. I'll start it and then you're going to see. I'll be in the small letters. You'll be in the big letters. And we'll go from there. John chapter 10, starting with verse. He goes, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and the robber. Verse two, you guys. But he who enters by the door is a sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pastures. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I know my own. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Then 
Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down for myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? May there be a blessing in the reading of the word. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And I just pray now as we've read your word out loud, Lord, because there's power in your word and the hearing of your word, because faith comes by hearing your word. I pray this morning as we study your passage, Lord, open up our blindness that we would see who the true shepherd is, which is you, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. We're going to look at three things this morning. I'll try to get through it as quick as I can, but you know, I'm a, I'm a talker. So, um, and I know there's kids burning up in the buildings over here. So I want to get through it. Number one, this is the first thing, the Jesus illustration of the true, true shepherd. I love Jesus. Jesus is a storyteller. And what he does, he begins to tell the story and make his point by illustrating the story because Jesus knew the language of the day. He knew that the religious leaders were hearing him. I'm sure there's a multitude there. There's the blind man that's been on there that they had just cast out of the synagogue. And so Jesus is going to begin to illustrate his sermon like I illustrated this morning. He uses illustration and then he'll start laying down his points and beginning to expound off that illustration. He talks about a shepherd here. The word shepherds here means, can be translated herdsman or in a metaphorical sense, meaning an overseer or a pastor. In some sense, the pastors here are shepherds, right? We're shepherds. We're overseeing the sheep, the sheep referring to God's people. And we see that in scripture. Ultimately, he's the chief shepherd of all the churches. And we read a lot about shepherds in in the Bible. In fact, when you think of some good shepherds, you might think of David or you might think of Moses or these men of God who oversaw God's people as shepherds. But we know that there were evil shepherds. We read that in Ezekiel 34, that fleeced the flock instead of fed the flock. We, so even in the scriptures, you talk about good shepherds and, and bad shepherds. You're going to see a little bit of that today as we talk about hirelings and thieves and wolves and robbers. Those would have been the evil shepherds of those times. But the role of the shepherd is to care for the sheep, is to protect the sheep. In fact, a shepherd would wear this kind of tunic type of uh, coat and, and he had a belt around it. And attached to his belt was this leather sack that would carry some dried fruit that he might eat during uh, the day. But also, it would, have, it would also carry some stones in order to, to scare away animals or to skewer the sheep together. Remember when when David slew Goliath, he, he drew out the stones as a, as a shepherd boy, right? The stones will also be used for, for slingshots uh, to, to scare off the predators and, and bring the wandering sheep together. He also carried in his belt a, a horn of oil. A horn of oil. The purpose of that was to, to when, when sheep are out there, there's flies and bugs and all those things, but the oil would be poured on the sheep on there to, to protect it from the flies, from, from gnats and ticks and, and all those things that might infect the sheep. And so the shepherd would put that on to the shepherd. It also would happen, the reason they put the oil, because a lot of times there would be friction among the sheep and they would 
butt heads against each other. So the ointment of the oil would keep them sliding off so they wouldn't hurt themselves. That was the role of what the shepherd would do. He also, shepherd, had a rod and a staff. A rod was used to protect from wild animals. And when they attacked, it was also a tool for the wandering sheep to to draw them back, right? Oftentimes, a rod might even be used to to break a leg of a sheep because it'd be rebellious. And the shepherd would break it. And then what he would do is he'd take that sheep and put it on his shoulder and carry it until it's mended. He'd rather wound it for a bit instead of getting devoured by a prey. Blessed are a wound of a friend. You know what I mean? And so we, we see that role of a, of a shepherd doing those things. And, 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 and the, the staff, the staff was to pull sheep and, and gather sheep. That was the perfect, the drawing it together, right? I want you to stand this morning that Jesus is that true shepherd. And he has those same tools. The same tools that the physical shepherd, Jesus does, Right? His tools of his word corrects us and instructs us, right? The oil is his Holy Spirit. It's the, and we can bear fruit of the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He gives us what to anoint us so that we get ticked off and we don't butt heads with each other, right? His rod and his staff is there to discipline us when we stray or when we walk away, but he's the God that brings us back to health and restoration. This is the love of a true shepherd. And so when he begins to illustrate this story, he's going to illustrate it starting with a negative before he gets into the positive. So he begins to illustrate about what religion is, that religion is is not sufficient for salvation. And we see that in verse one. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. We know that in the Middle East, and, and, and I've been to Israel, and actually when we were traveling, Julie and I saw sheep on the sides of mountains, and we saw those things. In the Middle East, shepherds used to bring sheep into a shelter at night to keep them from wolves, and, and you, would, you would have only one entrance. And many of those shelters would be like tall walls or covered, and there would only be one door. You could only enter through one door, and at night, the shepherds would bring in the sheep at night to keep them safe but she could only go into one door. There was not any other door by which they can enter in. What Jesus is beginning to do, he's beginning to illustrate that because who is listening? The religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of them are listening and he's saying, listen, I want you to understand there's one way. <laughs> any other way is robbery. There is no other way. There's only one way. Because what he's beginning to talk about in that time and age as he talks about shepherds, religious leaders and political people in that culture in Rome and in that era often referred to as shepherds. And so he, they knew exactly where he was going, Jesus was saying. They would understand this illustration talking about shepherds. But he's going to be, begin to point out some things that, guys, you're like thieves and robbers, robbing the people of the truth. You're robbing who I am. Even to this blind man, you're more concerned about the Sabbath than his healing. You're thieving him. You're robbing him from this relationship that I want to have with him. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, some translations by might say, verily, verily, I say to you. Well, what he's saying that is he's basically saying to, take heed to what I'm about to say to the religious leaders. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. And that's my challenge to you this morning is that as I'm presenting the word, 
Take heed to what I'm about to say as we study the word. Now, I want you to understand this, that Jesus, as the true shepherd, came in through the front door. There's two things about this shelter. Number one, in some sense, the shelter represented Israel. And Jesus came, and he came in as the true shepherd. Because Jesus didn't come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it, the scripture says. Right? And so he came in the right order. He came in the right way. And he came in the right way, right? And we know that because the prophecies proclaimed it, right? There'll be one born of a virgin. There'll be one that'll be born in Bethlehem. All these prophecies, Genesis 3.15, he fulfilled all the prophecies in the Old Testament. He did it orderly to reveal who he was. There was no other way. They should have known that. He didn't come as a thief and a robber. He came as a true shepherd. He came through the front door. But also he's saying here is I'm not looking for another way, right? I'm not looking for your religiosity. I'm not looking for your self-righteousness because religion will rob us of our liberty. Religion will rob us of our freedoms. See, you have to understand something. The religious leaders were oppressing the people with religious works. And Jesus said, wherever the spirit is, there's liberty. And I want to break you from the rules. Let's break the rules to be made righteous. Because the rules are about love. The rules are about relationship. The rules are about me and not following the dots. Because we're all imperfect, but God came to fulfill the rules, to complete the rules, that we can rock in freedom. See, our trap today is we fall into, in our faith is legalism, living by the rules and trying to be good. We're going to fall short. It's going to be miserable. God's goal is not trying to make you good. That's not God's goal. By faith in him, he made us good enough. He covered us by the blood of the land. He made us righteous and deemed us righteous and imputed righteousness in us. We are good enough by the blood of Jesus. But more than that, he desires that we would have this deep, intimate relationship with him, that we come to understanding of his love for us. And because of his love for us, it draws us to love him and to love others, right? Religion is man's endeavor to reach God. Christianity is God's endeavor to reach man. That's the definition of that. We started the gospel in John chapter one with what? The incarnation that Jesus came in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Matthew's gospel says that he is called Emmanuel, God with us, that he is the with us God. And when we pass away and we enter one day into this new Jerusalem, that is the very thing that God wants, that we're going to be in the presence of the Almighty. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus because he is the with us God. And it says this in Revelation 20 and 3, look, God's home is now among his people and I will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. That was the ultimate desire for God as he would be with us and that we would be with him. That's ultimate. That's the ultimate, what the Bible's talking about. And those that want to be with him, they'll know his voice. They will know his voice, right? True sheep recognize Jesus' voice. Look at verses two to five. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the door opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep fall for they know his voice that they will no means follow a stranger. 
but will flee from him, for they do not know he, the voice of the strangers. For those that are parents and you have kids, you know the cries of your kids, right? You could be in a park. You could be anywhere. You could be playing. And if your kid falls down and they scream, you know your voice is the voice of your kids. I think it's innate. I think it's something that's just natural as parents, as nurturing, that you can distinguish that that's my kid. That's my son. That's my daughter that's gotten hurt. You know the voice. Because what you have as a parent, as a father and a mother, you have a relationship with your children. In such a way, you tune into their voices. That's the same thing that Jesus wants to have, that we have to tune in as his children, tune in to the father, tune into him, that we would know his voice when he calls us. That we know that he would that he recognizes who we are. In the Mediterranean culture, the shepherds would bring their sheep into the pens. And sometimes what would happen is multiple shepherds would come and bring their sheep into one pen and they would mix together in this pen and then, when it, and then they would guard it. And when it came time to come out, the shepherd would call out to his sheep and the sheep would know that shepherd's voice. And there could be three folds in there, but each of those sheep would go to the right shepherd because the sheep would know the voice of its shepherd. He calls them out. He's also calling out the fact he's calling out the Jewish nation. Why? Because I'm calling you out of your bondage. I'm calling you out of something that's something new that you would know the shepherd's voice. See, he wants to call you out today out of the things that have bound you, out of the things that have restricted you, out of those things that you would experience the greatest joy and peace that you could have with him. He's calling you out, but you got to hear his voice, right? And, and the true shepherd, he, he did everything orderly. I love this. He said he called them out by name. Mm. Guys, if you're taking notes, you have your Bible, I want you under. He called them out by name, right? He knew those little sheep's name. And he knows your name. And he calls you out by name. See, we, we have an intimate God. That's why he's Emmanuel, God with us. See, oh, see, 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 when you think of the Muslim faith and you think of Allah and you think of that, he's a distant God to a lot of that. They don't even know if they're going to make it in, right? They're, they don't know if they're going to do it because there's not an intimacy there. They just got to follow the five pillars of Islam with the hope that they might find paradise. But God promises, I know you by name. In fact, when you go to the book of Revelation, he says he gives you a new name. It's your own name written on a stone for all eternity. So there's only going to be one Bob in heaven or, or one Judy in heaven, right? There's only going to be one name. That's how intimate God knows you. That's how intimate he knows you. See, we have this God that's engaging not in corporally, but intimately one another. But I love this. The shepherd leads his sheep. He calls them out and he leads them. He goes before them. That's why we follow him. The shepherd never drives the sheep. He leads the sheep, right? There was a friend of mine who went to Israel and said, Peter, I was watching one day and I saw this this guy pushing the sheep, right? And, 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 and he said, I talked to this guy, he said, I thought shepherds lead the sheep, but this guy's driving the sheep because that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. See, see, the shepherd lead, but the butcher drives. Jesus said, come follow you and I'll make you fishers of men. We're called to follow the shepherd. He's not a butcher. He's not a thief. He's not a robber. He's none of those things. But the sheep, can discern the voice of an enemy too. If you're truly a sheep, you can discern 
the voice of the enemy. That's why he says, when a stranger comes, he's got, oh, no, no, stranger danger. <laughs> but see, see, sometimes, guys, because we don't know the voice of the shepherd, we get bamboozled by the enemy's voice. And he sells us a lot of things. He sells us a lot of things. A stranger can feel, appear friendly. And so we listen to this voice. And we don't flee it sometimes in our own lives, right? Some of us have been more familiar with the stranger's voice than the good shepherd's voice. How do we hear God's voice today? How do we hear it? By the gathering? By being worshipped together in church, hearing the word? By reading the word? By prayer? God will speak to us supernaturally in our dreams or scriptures or circumstances or situation. He's a supernatural God that way. But he never goes away from his word. He always lines up with his word. If he's leading and speaking, it'll always line up with scripture. People come to me, Pastor Peter, the Lord bought me this boyfriend. I'm so in love with him. I go, is he a believer? Is he he a believer? And he goes, well, no, he kind of believes in God. That wasn't God. That's a different voice. All right, I'm going to tell you, that's a different voice. All right, there's an enemy's voice who wants to see. We're going to get in a minute looking at the enemy in a minute, what he does. But don't confuse the voices. We have medication for that. It's called the gospel. All right, so, so let, me, let me tell you something here. God is doing this great work. He's using this illustration. But we're going to find here that the religious leaders didn't understand what he's talking about. He's giving this parable, this story. He's breaking it down in a, in a word picture, and that's what God does for us. And, he, and they're like, oh, we don't understand what we're talking about. So now he's going to break it down. Let, he's going to break it down. Let me make it plainly here. Look at 7 through 10 of chapter 10. We can find that Jesus is the door of salvation. When Jill and I were, were traveling, uh, um, we used Google Maps to get us to get around. We were, we were walking 8 to 10 miles a day in Europe. <laughs> You know, we were walking crazy, a lot of, of, of mileage on, and foot traffic, but we were in a new area, a new place, so we didn't know where everything was. So we pulled out Google Maps and we said, this is our location. And there's a voice that comes on, right? And this voice comes on and says, okay, walk down this street and then make a left. And you're following the voice. But sometimes the voice would tell us to go a direction. We thought, wait a minute, I, I think it's that way. But the voice is telling us to go this way. And so we had a choice to make, right? Either go the way we think that is right or listen to the voice on Google that probably knows where we're going, right? And what we discovered is a lot of times that we went the way of Google because you know there, and it would take us around areas that were closed or there was problems or redirecting us to how to get there better. And, and we were following that way. So we had a choice to make whether we would listen to the voice or not listen to the voice because it'd help us overcome the roadblocks and jams that might be in our way to get to our destination safely in the fastest way. Can we choose um, what voice we're going to heed this morning, right? The good shepherd is our GPS, right? His voice navigates our lives and leads us to the final destination. But along the way, he keeps us from roadblocks and dangers and personal jams that we get ourselves into when we don't listen. Yet he helps us when we lose our way. His voice that come up to redirect us correct our past. That's the ministry of the true shepherd. He helps us find our way. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. What's the key to hear? We got to listen. Look at, then Jesus says something profound. 
blew the religious leader's mind, might even blow your mind today. He said, I am the door. Let's look at the work of the door. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So they were confused as he told the story. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, right? I am the door for if anyone enters me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. I have come that they might have and that they might have it more abundantly. Hmm. First thing is the religious leaders didn't understand what Jesus was giving and some of you might be here today and say, like, man, that's the first time I've been to church. I haven't been in church in a while. And you're like, what is the pastor talking about? What is, what is a Pharisee? What is a Sadducee? And we use terminology you may not understand or biblical things you may not understand. It's okay. I want to challenge you. Be still. Because the Holy Spirit will work in the translation. The Holy Spirit will make it plain in a moment. Be patient. But they were like, we don't understand what you're talking about. In fact, they're going to get into it next week when he says, are you really the Messiah? That's what we're going to ask him after he's been breaking down this word right? But they didn't grasp it. But Jesus said to them again, uh, guys, I was studying this and God spoke to me just on that word again. If you have your Bible, underline it. How many times, how many agains that God has to come to tell you again? Right? He just told him in a parable who he was. He just said, most assuredly I say, he most surely came and said, let me tell you again. And again, and again. How many situations had your parents told you or some of your friends told you, here, come to Jesus. This is and they tell you again and you didn't listen. But God keeps bringing another chance. Again and again and again. How many agains do you have to have until you hear and understand who Jesus is and, and what real faith looked like? How many times did we get it wrong and by God's grace, he reminded us again about who Christ is and what he's done for us again and again and again. I hope you understand his grace and mercy again and again. Because he's saying the very men that wanted to kill him because they want to kill him, he came to him again. Even when they were going to kill him, he still loved them and gave them opportunity after opportunity because Jesus loved these religious leaders even when they don't love him again and again. And then he reiterates who he is. He says, I am the door. That's the third I am in the statements of I am through the gospel of John. Most assuredly, I remind you, I, I, I want to tell you who I am. Give ears to what I'm saying. I am the door. See, they would understand this because what happens when the shepherd would come in and they would come in and bring the sheep in, there was either a doorkeeper who would watch it or the shepherd would watch it that night. But whoever it might be would literally sleep at the entrance of the door. And so no sheep can go out unless it crosses over him and no person could come in unless it goes through that shepherd. So when he was saying, I am the door, they would have fully understand what he was talking about as a shepherd. They would have fully understand that Jesus is the only way. He didn't say that I am a door. He said, I am the door. There, there's, there, a lot of people say, oh, there are many ways. There are many ways. No, Jesus said, I am the way. He's very clear that I am the door. There is no other way for salvation. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way. There's only one way. Any other way is a thief and a robber robbing you. See, what happens when it talks about these pins coming in, the sheep, the shepherd would be at the door. These, these walls could have been between 10 and 12 feet high. 
And thieves used to come in and they used to put each other on, on each other's shoulder, jump over the wall with a knife, take the sheep, slit the sheep's throat, take the sheep and throw it over the wall to steal it. That's what thieves would do. Jesus is not a thief. He's protecting the sheepfold, right? Because he says this, he's a protector of the sheep from the wolves and the hirelings and the robbers and the thieves. He said, because if, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. The sheep were safe because they were protected by the shepherd, but he's talking about salvation here. The word saved here has to do with being rescued from danger, right? But he's the door. He's the door. But let me tell you something. There's another door. You have a door. And we read that out of Revelation. Revelation chapter three, verse 20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who's standing at the door knocking here? Jesus, what door is he knocking on your heart? He's knocking on your door, right? I love this about Jesus. Jesus will never force himself on you. He's a gentleman and he will knock at your door. Forced love, forced love is rape. He knocks. He knocks at your door. Behold, I send the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. But he knocks. He's knocking this morning. He's knocking this morning, right? Jesus is the only entrance into heaven. He's the only way, right? We become saved, right? He keeps us safe and sound. He rescues us from danger. He delivered us from injury and pearl. And I love this. And we go in and out and find pastures. Pastures. Like right sheep had pastures. They graze in the pastures, right? In and out. It's not a fast food place. All right, that's not what I'm talking about here, okay? Notice the freedom and security he's presenting in the story. In and out, we find pastures. You only have to think of Psalm 23, right? Talking about the true shepherd, the chief shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. He takes care of our own needs, right? Our own desires. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There's peace. He leads me beside still waters, tranquility. He restores my soul. He refuses me. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He guides my steps. He, but yea, though I walk through the valley and shadow of death, I'll fill nor for you are with me, your rod and staff and comfort me. Guys, he doesn't exempt us from going through the valleys. But the promise is what? He's with us in the valleys. He's, he's with us in the shadow. You know why there's a shadow? Because there's a light. Okay. You only have a shadow if there's a light. Jesus' light, he's with us in the, the valleys there as we go, right? And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> he always is a reconciler. You anoint my head with oil. Remember the anointing of oil? My cup run over. He's a fooling and surely goodness and mercy shall follow all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's eternity. That's eternity. But I have to give a warning, and the shepherd gives a warning. The true shepherd gives a warning. The, the one who's the door says this. The work, he talks about the works of thieves and robbers. See that verse 8 and verse 10. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The thieves did not come except what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. Guys, I want you to see the description of your enemy. That's the description of your enemy, right? Football season is upon us. I'm a, I love football, right? Okay, and they've been having preseason, and so all the rookies have been playing. Now they're down to 53. Season starts uh, next week, right? 
And the thing about it in football, if I play college football, I play high school football, and, and the thing about it is there's on offense, there's a play called a play-action pass. What a play-action pass is, is a play where the quarterback gets the ball and he fakes to the running back like he's going to get the ball. He pulls it back, pulls back, and then throws to a receiver. The purpose of the play is to freeze the linebackers. The linebackers are on the opposing team that want to make the tackle, want to stop it. So it freezes them to give the receivers opportunity to get free in order. So he wants to trick the opposing team in order to get an advancement. You know what? The enemy has a play-action pass. He wants to trick you to get advantage ahead of you because he's a thief, a robber, and a stealer, and a destroyer. That's how he works. And so he has his own schemes, right? When he came into the garden with Adam and Eve, he had a plan. He had a strategy. He had a scheme. And he brought doubt into Adam and Eve. Eve, did God really say that if you're afraid of this fruit, that you will surely die? God is a person of his word. And when he says something, we have to trust him at his word. And the enemy will come against his word and deceive you through the word and bring doubt to the word. Guys, when we go through things in our life, those are the trials that ground us deeper. But what happens is when we go through darkness, sometimes we think that God's not good and he's not fair. And why am I going through all these hard times when God is, the gospel is always working because he's grounding us. He's grounding us, right? And so we see that playing here, right? He's, what he's saying is, listen, don't let the religious leaders do a play-action fake on you. That's what he's saying here, right? Don't, the Old Testament false prophets were false prophets in the Old Testament and people that let deceive people. And there is one coming who will be a deceiver. We know him as the Antichrist. The future false shepherd will come. After the rapture, I believe in the futuristic view of revelation. I believe there's a rapture. I believe there's a tribulation period. I believe there's a millennial age and then there's second coming in new heaven and earth. Read the book of Revelation. There's an antichrist that's going to come and the Jewish people are going to come to him and think he's going to be the God. He's going to be the false shepherd. Now, he's going to come and he's going to be assassinated, attempt to going to be on him. And I'm going to tell you hi, because I'm going to give you some homework right now. Go back to Zechariah chapter 11, verse 17 this afternoon and look at it. And it's talk about a wound of an eye and a body. He gives a description of an enemy, a, a, a false shepherd that's going to come, who's going to lead people away, who's going to bring the abomination and desolation. I'm just getting prophetic now. Guys, you talking about what's happened? We're experiencing a heat wave right now, right? We were, in, we were in, in Europe and they were having fires and heat waves. We were having earthquakes, heat waves, flooding, earthquakes. The Bible says, beware of the pains, earthquakes, famine, heat waves, all these things. Be watchful. My coming, my time is coming. You might call it climate, whatever. I call it end time Jesus stories. Jesus has talked about all this stuff already. He talked about what the precursor, the, the Braston Hicks of the, of the return of Christ, the, the birthing of the coming of Christ. Go to Book of Revelation. If you do think I'm not, go to Book of Revelation. It breaks it all down. Come on. Okay, we're only seeing the byproduct of the fall. It's going to get hotter. It's going to get crazier. It's going to get worse. Like, and we could do all we want. That's, that's why this is the time right now. Satan here, he's the robber. He's the thief. He called, he's called the devil. He's called Beelzebub. He's the murderer of the beginning, right? Guys, we can't have sympathy for the devil. Guys, we can't run with the devil. And we, can't, and we can't be like Jerry Garcia who said from the Grateful Dead, if you're a friend of the devil, you're a friend of mine. He said that. Just think about how he's ripped you off. Think about your life. What did you lose? Right? How, how do you, what did he take away? When you didn't put Christ first. 
Paul, who had his Quran with a demonic world, didn't underestimate, didn't underestimate your enemy, right? Ephesians 2, 1 through 4 talks about, I was dead in my trespasses, but he made me alive. I walked according to the course of this world, to my flesh, my eyes, all those different things. We can't solder the flesh. Guys, your desires won't always satisfy. Come on, come on. So we have to have, we got to, by his power, we'll master our own desires in order to understand his satisfaction. We are satisfied most in him and Jesus. Sometimes we have to deny our flesh in order to be satisfied. Uh, I've been on, a, Julian, I've been on a weight program. I've already lost um, almost 30 pounds already and stuff. And, and, and listen, listen, I'm not trying, I'm just saying what we're doing is we're, when we were traveling, we were talking about our spiritual health, our physical health, our emotional health to stay healthy for the ministry. And, and I, I know that I needed to lose some weight. And so we went on this program. But the interesting thing is, the thing that I learned is that I can have desire in the moment and go eat the Twinkie right? Go eat the, 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 some of the food that's probably not the greatest food for me. And I could, t- I could allow the desire of the moment to take me and not be satisfied with the results of what God's doing in my own life physically. Sometimes we're more quick to fulfill the desire, but we're not being satisfied. We're quick to get in that relationship, but we can't be satisfied because the relationship's not ordained by God. And so we sow to the desire, but we, we don't understand the faithfulness of being obedient to see the satisfaction Right? Even, even the stones who have everything, so I can't get no satisfaction. So the, the, the reality of it all is that, guys, we got to sow to the Spirit, not to the flesh in the moments. Here's the last thing, guys. I got to close this up. Jesus is the good shepherd. We see that in verses 11 to 21. Here's the fourth I am statement, right? I love Gregory. Um, this guy, Gregory uh, Nazanius, in AD 38, he was a monk, wrote this. He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he's the bread of life. Jesus ended his earthly ministry of being thirsty, yet he was the living water. Jesus is weary, yet he is our rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he is the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, yet he wipes away our tears. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was brought to a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death, he destroyed the power of death. There are shepherds, that don't care for the sheep. Guys, I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you a warning. There are shepherds that don't care for the sheep. And some of them are on your TV. They don't care for the sheep. They just care about your pocketbook. They just care about what you can give them. They just care about all those different things. And they're swindling people. And they're lying for people. That's why he says in verse 12 and 13, but the hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's hireling and does not care about the sheep. In that day, sometimes the shepherd take a break and they bring somebody to help do the sheep. But when the wolves came, they just ran away, right? Why? Because they didn't see their job as a calling. When I decided to go into ministry, it was something God was calling me to. Something God chose me to do. Some of our pastors are called to be in the ministry and it's chosen by God to be in the ministry. The hireling doesn't look over the welfare of the sheep. He'll allow wolves to creep in and leaves them for the slaughter. Paul the apostle in Acts chapter 10, speaking to the Ephesian elders says, look, I'm going to die, but there's wolves in the camp. They're come to slaughter the sheep. We have to be careful there's not wolves in the camp here. And we as pastors and leaders have to watch out for the sheep. And confront the wolves, those that don't speak the truth of the gospel, those that aren't gospel-centered and the biblically-centered, right? 
These, 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 these hirelings and these thieves, they're lovers of money and only care for themselves, right? And Jesus is calling these religious leaders your hirelings. Your hirelings. You're more concerned about the blind man being healed on the Sabbath than his physical and spiritual well-being. You leaders made my house a den of thieves. You, didn't, you leaders don't even know the love and grace of God. Right? He's confronting them there. But the good shepherd love and knows the sheep, 11 through 14. Right? 11, I am the good shepherd. There's another I am. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. And as the Father knows me, even I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one flock, and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. First of all, the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Interesting. He became a sheep. He became a lamb that the lambs and sheep might know him. He, he became the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I often think of the good shepherd, David, who slew Goliath. But before he slew Goliath, he knew how to battle lions and bears when he was a shepherd. Jesus gives his life for the sheep. He, I am statement here. Reference. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Where does that come from? Back to Exodus when Moses is talking to a Bernie Bush and, the, and God tells him to go to Egypt. Who should us tell him that I am sent you? It's I am. Not I am that I am. That's Popeye. Okay? I am sent you. I am capital. Jesus is connected the Old Testament to the New Testament with the I am statements there. We only have a good shepherd that only wants the best for us. And the good shepherd knows his sheep because he calls them by name. 2 Timothy 2.19, Paul writes this to young pastor Timothy. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Has this seal. What's that? Holy Spirit. The mark of the Holy Spirit. What's the mark of the believer? I believe the mark of the believer is the fruit of the Spirit. If you're not loving to one another and caring for one another, I would even question your salvation. Because the Holy Spirit is about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, mercy, self-control. I was just talking with a brother um, today about these protesters standing out abortion clinics, and they were just praying and holding signs up, and Antifa showed up and was cussing at them and spitting on them and causing havoc with them and threatening them. And they just sat there and read the word out loud and prayed. That's all they did. Standing on the boldness of Jesus. They don't have to say anything. God goes before them because what? The Bible says what? Love your enemies. Love your, do good to them. When they're thirsty, give them water. When they're hungry, give them food. That's paradox to our culture. That's different in our culture, right? Because what Jesus and the Father, he's, he's talking about this relationship. It's the Father, he's he, John, who knew the beloved, which Pastor Franklin said here, he loved God, the one who beloved God. Saul, he wrote about this relationship between Jesus and the Father because he began to understand love through that relationship. And we see it in the scriptures here. The good shepherd has other sheep, he says in verse 16. Who are the other sheep? That's the Gentiles, not the Jews. That's us. We are the other sheep. He goes, I have other sheep and it's one 
flock. There's one flock. There's one church, right? I'm on the I have other sheep speaking about the Gentiles. And I must, I must bring them in, he said. He's talking to the Jews. I went to Samaria to meet the Samaritan woman because I must go to Samaria because there's one flock, one church, and he will be the chief shepherd of the church, and he is willing to lay down his life in 17 and 18. He voluntarily laid down his life for us, the death, burial, and resurrection. Why? Why did he do that? Guys, in the Latin, the word money is the same word for sheep. Sheep had a value of their wool. The fortune lay in their flock. Jesus is our shepherd, and we are his wealth. That's how valuable we are. He laid down his life because we have value to him. Nobody took Jesus' life. He gave it freely. And yet the Sanhedrin's didn't understand it. Pilate didn't take it. The religious leaders didn't take it. Jesus gave it freely because he has the power to lay it down and he has the power to bring it up. You know why we have power to bring it up? Because now the Jesus that resurrected is the same Jesus that lives in us Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have the resurrected power in us by faith. I know I'm talking, closing here, closing. I'm landing the plane, guys. And the good shepherd identity will cease, will cause you to question your belief. Here it is, we close. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon, is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? See, Jesus died for us to bring us to the truth. Faith comes because not because of what Jesus can do for us, but what Jesus has done for us, right? And so there's a confusion here. There's two camps going on right here with Jews saying what? Some people are making their own conclusion about who Jesus is. Some saw him as a crazy man and a demon-possessed man of the devil. Others saw him as a miracle worker from God. Isn't that exactly what Nicodemus said in John chapter 3? You must be from God for the works that you do. So I close with this. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Who do you believe Jesus is? Who do you believe he, him to be? What conclusions have you come to about Jesus? What camp are you in this morning? So here it is. Leave you these three thoughts. The true shepherd knows you. The true shepherd knows you. But do you know the true shepherd? We're going to read John 17, 3 in a couple of weeks. For this is eternal life that you know me, the true God. The true shepherd is the door. Have you entered through the door, the eternal door? And lastly, the true shepherd is the good shepherd because he gave his life up for us. Man, I went a long time this morning. Sorry. Sandra's going to kill me this morning. Listen, listen. I want to close in prayer. We're going to close in communion because we sang a song about we're welcomed at the table. We're welcomed at the table because of the good shepherd. But my challenge this morning, and I cannot leave without this one thing. If you haven't made that commitment to Christ, the good shepherd, the one who's the door, the one he gave himself to because he demonstrated that love, while you're yet sinners, he died for us. While we were powerless, he died for us that we might have power. 
I want to offer that to you this morning because life begins there. You know, some of you have done time and you thought you've done life. No, God wants to tell you how to do life. Life in his way. Because there's abundant life, Scripture says here. There's abundant life. That's quality of life. Not money. That's not what he's talking about. Abundant life, he's talking about quality of life. Some of you know what I'm talking about and have tasted and found that it's good. Some of you are still looking for the living water and your quench hasn't been thirst. So with every eyes closed, I want to pray. Father, I come this morning and I ask your hand upon your people this morning. They're here because you've drawn them here. You've drawn them to hear your word. And I don't know where they're at, Lord, this morning, but you do. And you're the shepherd and they're your sheep, whether they're wandering, whether they've been far from you, Maybe they don't even know you this morning as a good shepherd. Maybe they've been under shepherds that have abused them. Maybe they had bad experiences with the church. Maybe they felt the church was judgmental. I'm just bearing witness of the true shepherd this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never made a commitment to faith and you say, I want to know this true shepherd, just raise your hand this morning. I want to pray for you. Anybody here, just raise your hand. Anybody? Just say yes to Jesus this morning. He's speaking to you. All right. I'm trusting you're all saved here this morning. Because I don't want you to come in the same way you went out. I want you to go out transformed and encouraged. Father, heaven, we thank you again for your people. We thank you for your sheep that are here. Father, love on them. Father, we, we taught the word. We sanctified them with the word. That was your prayer in John 17. We taught through the whole word. And Lord, I give them the whole counsel of God. Lord, I pray that they would grow up and mature in the counsel of God. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.